Welcome, high school hockey fans, to another state tournament edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. Tonight we will be talking about the Division I semifinals, starting off with Notre Dame Academy and USM. And who wants to talk about this one first? I will. USM got off to a quick start. They scored two goals and had a 2 to nothing lead. And I believe that was in the first period, if I remember correctly. Uh, and we kind of jokingly talked about how uh, Notre Dame coach Corey McCracken was probably blistering the paint off the walls in the locker room to try to get his team to perform at a more, I don't know, expected level for them. They were maybe a little sluggish in the early going, but USM and also played very well uh, in the first period. And uh, it helped because Notre Dame came out in the second and scored a goal to cut the lead to 2-1. to one. Yeah, like, Notre Dame came out, and I don't think the puck left the USM zone for the first four or so minutes of the game. And then for the rest of the first period, it was all USM. Um, yeah, Burgos said that's when their fans arrived because um, the USM crowd got a lot bigger about five minutes into the first period. Uh, that's when the, uh, the, uh, the USM got their first goal at 5.03. Uh, Noah Egbali, uh, he got another one at 9.41. Um, Tyler Herzberg and Egbali came down on a two-on-two. -two. Uh, both defensemen followed Herzberg behind the net. Um, Herzberg hit Egbali you know, in front of the net with the puck, and there wasn't a Triton within 10 feet of him um, in the slot. You put the shot where you're supposed to put the shot, and you're going to score in that situation. So, yeah, 2 nothing university school after one. Notre Dame came out a lot more fired up in the second period, I think. Um, a good chunk of the second period looked like that first three, four minutes of the first period. Um, where Notre Dame just controlled it, but uh, Patrick Kelly uh, had several really, really nice saves in that second period. Um, and then third period, it was all Tritons just running away. Um, they really dominated most of that period. Yeah, like you said, Notre Dame was controlling the puck early on in that first period, and that the, the first goal... Uh, scored by Iqbali was, I don't know if you caught a fluke. It's just you know, he intercepted a, a pass in the, the high slot and just kind of spun around and fired a slap shot just right away, all in one motion. And I think it took uh, Bull Buckley by surprise. Uh, he did not react well to it at all. Um, the puck was, I think the puck was on him and by him before he even you know, knew that a shot was taken. And, yeah, this is the second one. <laughs> Yeah, Nick Bali all alone in the slot uh, doing his best Joe Lorado imitation. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they just left him there. But after that, yeah, second and third period, Notre Dame really poured it on. Um, Patrick Kelly, like you said, Bill, uh, he, kept, um, he kept university school in the game as long as he could. He was making ridiculous saves in that second period. It could have easily, you know, Notre Dame could have easily gone up you know, three to two in that second period, uh, with the amount of pressure and the shots that they had in that one, uh, he kept a minute, and then uh, his luck kind of ran out in the third period, and, and Notre Dame just kind of cruised to the finish line. Yeah, I think that that PK played very well in the first. He made some outstanding saves in the second. And I don't think that he necessarily started playing 
less well later in the game. I think Notre Dame just got in his grill, and they had a lot of in-close scoring chances. And uh, when a team as talented as Notre Dame gets in close like that, you know, you're in for a rough day as a netminder. Well, and some of the people scoring the goals for Notre Dame were not the players that were doing it all season. Um, Corbin Skinner had their first goal of the game in the second period. Charlie Weed had uh, their second goal of the game. Uh, Sawyer Scholl, everybody knows him, he had their third. And Riley O'Neill had their fourth. Uh, Skinner, Weed, and O'Neill are not in their top six in scoring. O'Neill is eighth on the season. Um, Skinner and uh, Weed aren't in the top nine, which appear you know, on their team page in the points listing. They're not... They're not top two lines, top set of defensemen type scorers, uh, but they were the ones getting the goals for Notre Dame. And you know, watching them take their shots out there and play those shifts, they did not look like, you know, low second, high third line players. No, and Charlie Weed's goal. I mean, he picked up the puck on his own blue line, uh, skated up, and basically, you know, undressed a, a university school defenseman in getting around him, and you know, in all alone um, on Kelly, and, and just roofed the shot from in close. It was. Yeah, and looked like he'd been doing it all his life. <laughs> well, I don't... Yeah, he had 12 points on the season, six goals, six assists. And he, 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 he walked that defenseman like it was something he does every time he's on the ice. Yeah. I think these guys that you're talking about, O'Neill, Weed, Skinner, guys like that, I, don't, I think they're just very complimentary players. And if it, you know, the big guns like Scholl or Poshak aren't scoring goals... These guys have the ability to step up and do it where a lot of teams, the, the third-line guys, aren't big scorers at all. But I think on this team, these guys are very opportunistic. I've seen their names in the box scores before in games where they needed goals to win, and these guys have put them in. So I don't think it was totally you know, out of their realm to do so. Well, and you know, one of the things that affects Notre Dame stats is the fact that they did play the hardest schedule in the state this year. And if you look at the scoring leaders in the state versus strength of schedule, um, there's a gap there. A lot of the teams that play those just brutal schedules don't have the scoring leaders in the state, you know, with certain exceptions, uh, Brady Welsh um, from Springs, Springs to mind. But, you know, a lot of the, the scoring leaders in the state don't play brutal schedules all year, and they did. So, you know, there are, that guy's a 12-point a player this season on – the toughest schedule in the state. Uh, if if he was on another team that played a different schedule, he might be a 20, 30-point player. Yeah, and I wonder if there was some way that you could kind of analyze scoring versus strength of schedule. I would probably be willing to bet that they'd, Notre Dame would have at least two guys that would be like in the top 10 in the state, like scoring per schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I, that, I would not be surprised. Um, and uh, Noah Iqbali uh, really stuck out to me for university school. Like, everybody knows who Tyler Herzberg is and Alex Thundercloud, but uh, he had their first two goals. He assisted on Herzberg's goal in the third. Um, he had a really nice game for them. He was everywhere. Yeah. But I, so Tommy uh, Galefuss sends in the, the game reports for the boys and the girls team, and I post every one of those. And I've seen Noah Egbali's name in there quite a bit for scoring goals, especially in the later half of the season. So it really doesn't surprise me. I think he's one of those guys where he wasn't really well known. But um, well, he was, he was a, 
player of the week one week, I believe. Yeah. So later, everybody had to yeah. look up how to pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, later on in the season. Uh, but like you said, everybody knows Herzberg, everybody knows T-Cloud, guys like that. Um, Noah definitely stepped up today and got two big goals for him and got, got the game started off right for him. Yep. Uh, ended up being 5-3. to three. No empty netter. Uh, they didn't really get much of a chance to pull the goalie. Um, so 5-3, to three, no empty netter. And then we moved on to the second game of the day, which uh, for a while looked like it might never end. <laughs> uh, Chippewa Falls and Verona. Uh, Verona won one to nothing in the second overtime period um, after a total of 68 shots were taken in the game. Uh, 38 saves, or 37 saves for Bridger Fixmer of Chippewa Falls, 30 for Caden Grant of Verona. Let's, let's, let's put an asterisk after that. 68 shots were credited by the WIAA crack yes. scoring staff. Yes, they did not give Fixmer any saves in the second overtime, despite the fact that uh, I've seen the replay a couple times now. He had at least three on the play where Verona scored. Yes, I was standing, um, I was standing directly above him. Uh, he stopped the initial shot. Uh, he got the first rebound with his blocker. He got the second rebound with his leg pad. And the third rebound was batted out of the air. Yeah, uh, and it was he couldn't. There was no, he couldn't get anything on that one. So yeah, and, and, there was and, three saves. He got credit for none of them. And that's like that's the kind of the classic. The goalie the goalie is sprawled out, throwing everything he can at the puck. When you get it with your leg pad, it pops up like that. And at that point, for for Walker Hasig, it's kind of like hitting it off a tee. Um, I don't know how hockey players manage to do that because every time I have ever tried. <laughs> to knock the puck out of the air with my stick, I've whiffed on it entirely. Um, so that's baffling to me. But yeah, that he 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 baseballed that into the net. We had one in the in the the D two. We had a baseball goal in the in the D two one of the games uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, he he batted that in three twenty one of the second overtime. That was probably. I don't think it's unfair to say that's the best game we've had so far in the tournament. Oh yeah, and. What's funny, the shots were pretty even. 38 to 30, there's not much of a spread there, no. especially over you know four-plus periods of hockey. Um, but like it wasn't even at any point. Um, I left the scoring to go do help MJ with some interviews, and then I came back, and all of a sudden I looked. The shots were fairly even in the first period, then all of a sudden on the board it showed 25 to 20 in favor of Verona, and I'm like, what the heck happened this period? Chippewa Falls took the next 11 shots. And narrowed it to twenty-five to twenty-one. Um, yeah, they kind of took took turns uh, in the other team's zone. Yeah, they, they basically they took turns dominating, um, and mm-hmm. I think it was it was the top line on each team when that line was on the ice, uh, opposite not their counterpart. Uh, when they were against the second or third line for the other team, they just kind of dominated, held it in the zone, and then they would switch, and the other team would do it. It was just it was this kind of an interesting. I haven't seen a game like that in a while where, um, you know, I've seen even close games where time of position is even, but not where it's like a big chunk for one team and then a big chunk for the other team and then a big chunk for one team and then a big chunk well, for the other team. It was like the momentum just flipped back and forth like every so often and the one team would dominate and then after a while the next team would dominate. And um, I talked to a couple guys, uh, Hudson fans, actually some of the stream guys, Todd Hess was one of them, and he said, you know, 
For as well as Spixmer played against Hudson in the sectional final, he played even better today. And I think the, the whole team did. the whole, To me, Chippewa Falls was just as fast, maybe at some points faster than Verona. Uh, they really took the game to them. Uh, the problem is, is and as I called it in my game story, uh, Verona wins a battle of the goalies. It truly was a battle of the goalies. Two great performances today. And like you said, uh, Webb, Definitely the best game of the tournament so far. I think the the biggest problem that Chippewa Falls had today is that um, on break on break coming into the offensive zone, they especially in the first period they settled for too many wrist shots from like the top of the circles. They'd get into the zone and get to the top of the circle and fire a shot in on Caden Grant. And um, am I remembering correctly? Is he a TW goalie? Think so. I mean, you're not you're not gonna score, you know, two on two wrist shot from the top of the circles. You're probably not gonna score on him in that situation. Uh, more often than not, you're not going to. Uh, in the later periods, they started getting more more inside shots, more rebound chances. But yeah, that first period, I think they they threw too many pucks at the net before trying to let something develop, which is not something I would normally say. Usually I criticize teams for the opposite. They're trying to be too pretty, but uh, Chippewa Falls, that first period, I think they were just uh, too antsy to throw the puck at the net, and Grant was gobbling them up, and there was no rebounds. And to that, I, you give credit to um, the, the Verona defenseman. Um, because, yeah, the, the Chipp- Chippewa Falls did not, did not play a dump and chase and again, they tried to carry the puck in and make something happen, and the Verona defenseman just, you know, kept him to the outside. You know, all we're going to give you is a weak shot from the the outside of the circle. You're not going to get anything inside. You're not going to do it. This is, this is, these are your options. <laughs> right, and I think uh, number seven, Jurens, who's been a highly rated player, uh, played an outstanding game, I, I believe, and was a, a big part of. Uh, keeping Chippewa Falls off the board. Yeah, and like, you know, in terms of just the way they were shooting, Chippewa Falls was shooting high, so Grant was gloving everything. A lot less opportunity for a rebound when you shoot high. Verona was shooting low, and it's a lot harder to control those rebounds when they're hitting off your leg pads. Um, you can, or you're, you, I mean, you can try and direct them to the corner, but the puck hits the leg pad, it's going to pop back out somewhere. Yeah. And so Verona had a lot more rebound opportunities, so while the shots were pretty even, I think, in terms of scoring chances, Verona had a, a pretty good edge. Um, but Fixmer yeah. was awesome. Yeah, the, the shots were... The, but, you know, WA doesn't, you know, track, doesn't count rebounds. Yes. Uh, it's just the initial save. Um, but, yeah, there, there were times in that game for both goalies where it was, you know, I was hearkening back to the uh, Dominic Hasek commercials, you know, having a slinky for a spine, you know, as prices. I mean, those guys are just rolling around and, you know, you see a puck, you throw whatever's closest, you know. Might be your glove, might be the back of your head, might be your leg, but just throw yes. something mm-hmm. to where you think the puck is going to go and hope yeah, it hits. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it was a great lesson for all those goalies who live and die in the butterfly. Sometimes you just have to throw stuff at the puck and hope for the best. Yes. And that's what both goalies had to do in several situations today. Yeah, I think I was thinking that yesterday, too. Uh, I can't remember which game it was, but there was a goalie that was not your 
conventional style for that particular game. I mean, he was on the ice, rolling around, throwing pads, throwing arms, throwing a stick up, making the saves. And yeah, the Dominator came to mind for sure in that, that game and uh, in today's game with Fixmer. So Verona wins that one, one to nothing. It was, uh, oh, my heart hasn't beat that long, that hard in a while down here. Um, Chippewa Falls brought a great crowd there, you know, we are chant at the, the start of the tournament or the start of the, their session. It's probably the loudest we are chant I've heard in a decade. That first we nearly knocked me over in our suite. Um, Verona brought a really nice crowd. Um, university school's crowd was not great when the puck dropped, but five minutes into the game, uh, they must have had a the, couple buses. Yeah, their buses were late. That were, that were <laughs> late, and yeah, their side filled up nicely. Even Notre Dame had a larger crowd than they normally do. Um, you know, those two schools, Notre Dame and USM, I don't think either of them hits 400 students. Private schools, so you can't expect huge crowds out of them, but they both did pretty well. Well, either, either, the, either they had, you know, larger crowds than normal, or it just looked more full because, you know, they, they blocked off the top rows. Yes, they uh, did. To keep, to keep the fans a little more condensed. Uh, they the blocked off the, the top row, the the top eight rows around the upper bowl on one side, and the top six around the upper bowl on the other side, uh, which I thought was actually a great move by the WIA because it did make the arena feel no, not it was by the Energy Center. No, oh, it was the coaches. coaches really, yeah. the Wisconsin High School Coaches Association yep. recommended they do that. Yep. Yeah, it worked really well. It made the arena feel a lot more full. It, it did. Um, yeah, and, and, but, and when you're looking at actual overall seating capacity. Uh, I looked it up. The, the capacity for the Energy Center is uh, 10,000 um, when set up for hockey. Those seats, I mean, in terms of capacity, didn't take it below nine, I don't think. Um, I don't know that there's that much up there, maybe eight. Um, but, yeah, it felt, it felt really good. Um, the, 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 second, the second game, um, that was probably the, one of the bigger sessions we've had in a long time in yep. terms of attendance. Mm -hmm. And it was very loud. Very exciting, and like you said, your heart was pumping. I mean, mine was too, and I was just sitting there watching, kind of living and diving, living and dying with every save or shot, you know, on both sides. And uh, it was a great game. It was a classic high school hockey game. Yes, and the the uh, the, the Wisconsin Prep Hockey support staff uh, was making fun of of me and the, cause I, I'm standing up on the platform there with, you know, with the, the camera, with the big ass zoom lens and you know, look, he's not taking any pictures, yeah. is he? No, he's just watching the game. Yeah. It's easy to get lost <laughs> in the game like that though, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot easier to take pictures than a bad game yeah, because sure. you're not, you're not enticed to follow it quite yeah. so closely, but when it's a great game like that, you just, Oh, I am. I'm, you know, because from that that position, we, we basically have, you know, real good angles at everything that happens on the other end of the ice. And I'm up there, and that, oh, damn, that was nice. Oh, I should have had a picture of that. <laughs> That's what Nikki said. Grandpa said, oh, I probably should have taken a picture of that. <laughs> no, it, 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 this is no no overstatement, no exaggeration. If you were there, you know what that game was like and if you weren't there you missed a great state tournament game okay let's let's and, well let, oh. at, at our award ceremony kurt dobbinspeck even brought that up his his last game as a badger was yeah. a four overtime one to nothing loss and he knows the pressure that's on a goalie in an overtime 
game like that uh, where neither team can can break the seal that uh, the pressure just builds on the goalie like every every shot every minute that goes by it's like oh crap yeah, I thought I was going to take this as an opportunity then to segue into our use Kirk Dobbins back to segue into our little awards thing before we get on with yes. well, predictions for tomorrow um, we did award we did hand out our awards today and then after that the Wisconsin Hockey Coaches Association handed out their awards also. Um, which one do you want to cover first, ours or theirs? Let's do ours first. And I, first of all, before we get into this, um, I just want to say that normally MJ Hammett is our MC at these events, but he had prior obligations uh, working for the Janesville Jets down in the North American Hockey League. And uh, Bill Jr. kind of on short notice stepped up and I'm not just pulling your chain here, Junior, but I think you did a great job, and I think uh, you uh, enthralled the crowd and got them laughing a few times, and you did a nice job. Well, thank you. Um, now we have to remember who actually won, because that's on the other <laughs> computer that I brought with me. So we're just going to kind of guess here. Um, well, you read, you read, the, you read the, the finalists, and we'll all... Yeah, the finalists, uh, we'll start with the girls' side, the Molly Engstrom Award for the state's top defender. Uh, the finalists were Annika Olson of Eau Claire area, Bailey Williams of Western Wisconsin, Chalice Prohaska of Wis- uh, Central Wisconsin, Lily Akola of St. Croix Valley, and Lucy Drugas of Superior. And it was the, the tall one. Chalice Prohaska. Chalice Prohaska of Central Wisconsin yes. Storm was the winner of that one. Pete Susan said that was the first defenseman that ever won that award for them. Yeah, uh, looking at the list here of past winners, Josie Johnson, Paige Johnson, Paige Johnson, Ellie Woodman, Jason Reeves, Maddie Rowe, Anna Wilgren, Anna Wilgren, and Charlotte Akrovic. Yes. And past winner Anna Wilgren from Hudson was in the news this week. Uh, she set the single-season scoring record for defensemen at uh, University of Minnesota Mankato. That's well, I was going to say, what do those list. other winners have in common? Uh, those were all what you would classify as the offensive defensemen, yes. you know, high-scoring yeah. uh, defensemen. Prohaska is not. She's a defenseman. She plays defense. And uh, she, she, she plays, uh, was it on Team Wisconsin? Maybe. I'm, no, I'm thinking some, I'm somebody else. No, she didn't get to play Team Wisconsin. They had a two-day tryout. And on the Saturday of the tryout, she was at the state That's track right. meet. That's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So by, by, by the time she arrived for the tryout, the decisions over. had pretty much been made. Yeah, you know, Team Wisconsin is great, but when it, when you're a two-sport athlete, sometimes it just doesn't work. Right. Um, so, you know, okay. we always caution people on that. So then came the boys defensemen. Boys defensemen, Davis Trewiski Award. The finalists were Alex Thundercloud of USM, Jacob Conrad of Notre Dame Academy, Max Giblin of Hudson, uh, Nathan Jurens of Verona, and Noah Pickert of Fondy Springs. Wow, four of those guys are in the tournament this week. And... Three of them are still active tomorrow. Yep, and the winner was T-Cloud, Alex Thundercloud of USM. And, I mean, that is a, a great list of defensemen. Uh, that's, all that's, awesome players. That's back-to-back winners from U-School. Uh, after the previous two years, we had back-to-back winners from Hudson, um, Chase Blackman and Jordan Halvis, and now it's uh, Casey Ripke from U-School last year and uh, Alex Thundercloud from U-School this year. And then moving on to the glory-hogging forwards, uh, from the Janelle Sergi Award, the, the nominees were Amber DeLong of St. Croix Valley, Hadley Malcolmson of Brookfield, Hattie Verstegen of the Warbirds Co-op, 
uh, Madeline Jablonski of Fox City Stars and Sydney Raths of the Madison Metro Lynx. Yep, and uh, Madeline Jablonski uh, just continued her run on awards this year. She won the, the Miss Hockey Award in the, the Girls' Banquet, and she won our uh, Janelle Sergi Zog Zog Sergi Award. Uh, a great player. She scored the, the game-winning goal last year in the state tournament final against Hudson. Uh, been an awesome player for four years. Uh, Well-deserving for her. And that's her, her second year in a row winning that award. Um, other than the first year we did it, every winner we've had uh, for the Janelle Sergi Award has won it more than once. Alice Cranston won it the first year. Teresa Knutson won it the next three. Nicole Unsworth won the next two. And Abby Stowe from Eau Claire won the next two. And now Maddie Jablonski with two. So next year we're going to have to make sure there's some sophomores or juniors on the list so yeah. that the streak so, can possibly continue. Because if yeah. we give it to a senior, that ruins everything. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that, you know, there's just carryover from the previous season. Uh, Jablonski had a great year. Um, she's, an, she's an outstanding player and uh, definitely deserved it. So we'll have to see what happens next year because she's going to graduate and won't be eligible unless she's like uh, Gunnar Schiffman, a fifth-year senior. <laughs> uh, for the, the Joe Pavelski forward for the boys uh, award. Maybe we uh, should explain that one. Well, no. Okay. Well, Gunnar Schiffman is not a fifth-year senior. He just got linked to another player on our website somehow. And made it look like he has played for five years, but he's actually only played for four. Uh, but he's right, got he red-shirted nice, that first year. Yeah, he's got a nice beard for a <laughs> senior. Red-shirted with a different name. We're, we're uh, jealous. Uh, our Pavelski finalists were Brady Snedden, Brady Welsh, uh, that's Northland Pines and Fondy Springs, uh, C.J. Lass from Onalaska Lacrosse, Nick Catalano from Arrowhead, and Peyton Hansen from Hudson. And Nick Catalano from Arrowhead was our winner. Uh, that that vote this year, uh, I tallied them up, came down to the final final ballot. Um, it was a tie between our top two vote getters until the final ballot. Uh, Nick Catalano won. Nick Catalano, you know, playing for Arrowhead, I don't think got a lot of publicity. But I mean, we saw the numbers and we saw how the success that Arrowhead had this year, and. Um, but look at, like, Welsh and Snedden. There's a couple of good players there amongst all, all of them. Uh, did you find it as maybe a surprise or something? Because Welsh gets all the publicity. I mean, he's a great player. Everybody knows him. Uh, maybe this just highlights what kind of year Catalano actually had. Well, I think it helps that... Um the only game this season that Catalano didn't record a point in was their 0-0 tie with Springs. Um, he recorded a point in every other game Arrowhead played. Um, they were an undefeated team, and he scored in all of them. So that, that's got to go a long way. And, and, and apparently the coaches must pay more, more attention than we do because I mean, Arrowhead did play a tough schedule. They, they, um, they, they were... They were up there kind of high in the, the strength of schedule. But they didn't play in any of the events that we like to cover. They didn't play in that you know beginning of the season tournament in Oak Park. They didn't play in the showdown in Titletown. They didn't play in the Badgerland Conference tournament because they're not in the Badgerland Conference. 
And you know, and they're they're over there in Milwaukee. And we don't get over there a lot. Yeah. So we didn't see him. So we didn't know much about him. Yeah. But I think the rest of the state and the coaches did. Well, yeah, and we had two. I mean, yeah, we've mentioned before the Arrowhead kind of flew under the radar for us, and then we noticed, you know, late December they hadn't lost, and then we just kept not losing. They had two finalists out of out of our three awards. I mean, yeah. they also had and, uh, their goalie was a finalist. And to further move on with that, Nick Catalano was one of the eight finalists for the WHCA Player of the Year award. And I believe the winner was on our Pavelski list. Mm-hmm. Who was that? We will talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Spoilers. Teaser. And then our goalies. Uh, we'll start with the Jesse Vetter Award finalists, Abigail Severson from Viroqua, uh, Emma Quimby from Hayward, uh, Josie Matheson from Black River Falls, who was actually last year's winner, uh, Pistol Cowden from Wisconsin Valley Union, and Sydney Seeley from St. Croix Valley. And our winner was Pistol Cowden, Wisconsin Valley Union. And I believe, didn't she win like two years ago? Or she was one of our finalists. Sorry. Matheson won two years ago. Quimby won last year. So she was a finalist last year, but she wasn't a winner. Oh, so okay. the two previous winners were in the field again this mm-hmm. year uh, in Pistol Cowden won. And I just want to, because I've mentioned some other past winners, Aaron Connolly, uh, who won for the Lakeshore Lightning in 2015-2016, is finishing up her senior season at <laughs> UW-Eau Claire. Yeah. Uh, she has played now, uh, the last I checked, she had played in 102 games. Mm-hmm. She had 20 shutouts, a save percentage better than 930, and a goals against average of like 1.6 or 1.7 in her four years as a starter at UW-Eau Claire. So, she has um, had an outstanding yes. career in college, and she was a great goalie in high school. Uh, I know her dad, Brian, very well. Uh, they used to come up and play against uh, Emily's, my daughter's team, when they were like U-10s or something like that. And uh, she told, <laughs> well, Brian, I, he was coaching at the time, well, she's not very good. Well, she's really good now. And uh, Pista Cowden has had a, a heck of a career for uh, Dan Bauer at Wisconsin Valley Union. Um, I've heard people say that she is the best goalie in the state. And according to our, our voting here, that proved out. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably a, you know, would the voting have been different? Had it been done after Abigail Severson played uh, well, maybe, a 122-minute yeah. game, yeah, um, maybe. but we don't. I, I, we don't know. But, but it's a regular season award, and uh, yeah. all these goalies did great. Obviously, two of them had won it already. Uh, Cowden uh, brings it in this time. I think the the goalie crop has gotten very exceptional the last few years, and uh, kudos to. Uh, our, our, our players for being there and uh, kudos to the coaches that are helping uh, better their, their games and it definitely shows with the, the field of finalists that we had this year. Yep. Then moving on to the boys' side for the Kirk Dobbins Beck Award. Uh, thanks to Kirk for coming to the ceremony again he, this year. That was very nice. He's a genuinely nice guy. Yes, <laughs> he is. Um, and I think it, it almost seemed like it pained him to talk about what he did, but I think he was just trying to say, I played in a, a, an OT game like that, and we lost, and I know how it feels. Yes, yes. And well, I could have you know, given a full, more full introduction of his, his career, 
Because I got the you know the nine years AHL ECHL. I didn't mention the IHL because I just assumed nobody was going to remember the IHL. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, some of them old timers would. But yeah, uh, our our finalists for that were Adam Prokop of Wausau West, Bo Buckley of Notre Dame Academy, Berger Fixmer of Chippewa Falls, Caden Grant of Verona, and Mark Marino of Arrowhead. And three of those four guys played today. They did. Uh, and two of those four will play again tomorrow. Um, and our winner for that one was. Uh, Bo Buckley from Notre Dame, and uh, he kind of he didn't run away with it, but uh, second place was more than a few ballots away. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, he had a, a good performance there, and he played. You know, lots of goalie split times. Notre Dame has had goalie split time before. He put in eight eight hundred seventy two minutes for them uh, against the hardest schedule in the state. So uh, very deserving. Nine thirty eight, uh, one two three goals against average. So yeah, he had a he had a very nice season. Yep, and he's been he's been pretty much their starter, or a, a more or less regular guy since his freshman year. And I have to say, I'm like jealous of his hair. He's got he's got a a great do for sure. So, uh, but and he's also a great goalie. Congrats to Bo Buckley and the rest of the guys. I mean, there's a, a bright future for for Fixmer, who I believe is only a sophomore. sophomore? Fixmer's a sophomore, Prokop's a sophomore, yeah. I believe Buckley, Moreno, and Grant were seniors. Yeah, so, I mean, we've talked about Fixmer. He's the real deal, and uh, I think for a lot of teams, the future is quite bright enough for them. Yeah, well, you know, like I mentioned, you know, how we have repeat winners uh, in terms of teams for the, for the Defenseman Award. Uh, no team in the eight years we've given it out now has won the the Kirk Dobbins Beck Award twice. Spash, Cedarburg, Madison Edge, Wood Hudson, St. Mary Springs, Waukesha, and now Notre Dame. Can we back uh, up university schools in there too? Yeah, can nobody's. we back up a little bit to the girls goalie? Sure. Did, did not uh, Kenzie Torpy win that multiple times? We've had yes, Kenzie Torpy and Hillary Drake won it multiple times on the girls side. I was just referring oh, to the boys oh, side. Sure. Yeah. yeah Kenzie Torpy won it three times. Uh, she had a nice career herself over at St. Thomas, St. Thomas uh, in Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, those were the, the six, the primary voted on awards. And then we had our two unsung heroes. Um, we're not going to list all the nominees for those because we'd be here all night. Um, the winners were, uh, I know for the boys, the winner was Alex Sternhagen of Northland Pines. Uh, he has battled some brutal injuries uh, to keep going. Uh, he was wearing a cast. Yeah, he had yep. a cast on his right <laughs> wrist. Yeah, he's, so. he's battled some brutal injuries, uh, you know, ended his season, but he still he still shows up for coach every day. And then on the girls' side, it was uh, Sierra Steele of Park River Falls. Yeah, and, I, you know, I almost think in, in some ways these two awards carry more weight than the other ones because... Now you have uh, Rachel Canyon Bible, or Rachel Bible Canyon, and Adam Burrish, who are two players that are known to do whatever it takes to play the game and win, are actually selecting the winners in, for this particular award. And I think that's a great honor for the kids. Um, and the fact, like what you said, is that Burrish even had called some coaches and uh, Kenyon might have as well, and asked them for more details about certain players. And I think that means that they are really interested in this award, A, and B, 
um, they want to make sure that the, the right player uh, earns that honor. Well, you know, he's got he's got time on his hands when when Patrick Sharp is in the <laughs> yeah, okay, in the yeah. in the in the <laughs> in the booth <laughs> instead yeah, of him. This on Adam, but he's a good guy. And thank you to Adam Burrish and Rachel Kenyon for uh, lending their names to these awards, plus all our other award uh, our uh, awards. Uh, we really appreciate it. You are all great ambassadors for Wisconsin hockey and. Uh, Definitely, these awards are honors for the kids that win them today. Yeah, and I even saw um, Janelle Sergi uh, shared some picks because the last Northland Pines team that was at state was 2004. That was her senior year. Uh, she shared some some photos on Twitter, a little throwback for Northland Pines. That's right. um, she was on that team. BJ so. Gottsacker was on that team. Yeah, that was a that was a good one. Yeah. I can't believe that it's been that long, but yeah. if you think about it, that's why we have two divisions, yeah. like every other sport. Yeah. All right. No, your other awards that you went to. Yeah. I went to the uh, Wisconsin Hockey Coaches Association State Tournament Award Ceremony. What was yeah. for dinner? What was for dinner? We had uh, Tuscan chicken, uh, linguine with clam sauce, uh, uh, Beet, green beans, and carrots, and salad. It was very good, actually. Um, want to thank uh, the, the, the Hockey Coaches Association for inviting us. Um, and <clears throat> they also mentioned that Burglar really needs to get his butt down there sometime and show his face because he doesn't ever come to them anymore, and they kind of <laughs> miss him. So, yeah, we had... Uh, there was a great crowd. There was... Pretty much the place was packed. I mean, there was probably 250 people there. It was a good showing. They had, but due to the logistics of the tournament this year, they only had the winners of the games, the, the four boys teams that were there because pretty much everybody else had gone home. Um, they're not going to hang around for two extra days or an extra day or whatever. So uh, Springs, Pines, Verona, Notre Dame, they were all there. Uh, the Player of the Year candidates um, and other people were involved. Uh, the Player of the Year award was won by Brady Snedden of Northern Pines. Um, had a great field to compete against, but he took home that award. The, the Bob Johnson Coach of the Year award was given to Carl Valamont of Arrowhead, the aforementioned Arrowhead, who had the undefeated one-tie season in the regular season. They had a great year. Uh, and uh, the George Bauman Friends of Hockey Award was given to Rusty Mitch, a friend of all of ours from the Stevens Point area, who has put, I think he said, 27 years of uh, coaching either as an assistant or a head coach in his career. So uh, a great award for Rusty Mitch. Um, do you remember who won the... Uh... The academic uh, champion was won by Mozani. And I believe, if I remember right, their cumulative grade point was 3.82. Jesus. <laughs> and, I, you know, uh, Rob Bradley, who was with First Choice Dental, was up there. And he said, you know, he goes, I've been looking at this. And he said, I think, and you won't believe it, but... Hockey players seem to be the most intelligent when it comes to grade points and stuff like that than any other sport. 
And I mean, I don't know if that's a fact, but for a team to have a 3.82, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, David Cox actually brought up his team's GPA when he was talking to MJ today. Uh, he said he's you know he's got several 4.0s on his team, some 3.8s, 3.9s. That's right, he did. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's good. I remember when I was in college, I went to the the library on campus once, and there was this large group of guys off in the corner, and I asked the person at the desk, like, "Who's that?" They're like, "Oh, that's the hockey team." Another time, I went back, large group of people, "Who's that?" Oh, that's the football team. Um, I you know I wonder if that kind of hey, let's all get together and make sure our homework gets done kind of thing happens at the high school level. Because I know that in football or in, in, in college sports, uh, that kind of thing happens because the last thing a, a college coach wants is a kid on scholarship to be academically ineligible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. Well, the, the, ex, or the, the explanation that Rob Bradley gave, uh, he did a nice little four or five minute speech um, was that athletes learn discipline they learn teamwork you know those are two of the, of the biggest things that they learn and they also know that they have to to be able to get grades to play and uh, I mean I, I can't remember exactly what he said but it made a lot of sense and he, he said that student athletes in his mind, are better job candidates because they've had all of this going forward versus just somebody who just had to go to make grades and partied half the time and studied the other half. Uh, well, athletes work a lot harder. And it, it helps, you know, student athletes are better in the job market because they've had a tyrannical dictator yell at them <laughs> yeah, um, could for four years. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> That helps. Yeah, that's for sure. So now moving on to tomorrow, we can say mm. that tonight, tomorrow's D1 championship game, number one Notre Dame versus number three Verona. Uh, these two teams played twice this season. Uh, Verona, uh, the only blemish on uh, Notre Dame's otherwise uh, perfect season. They beat them 3-1 to one on December 28th at Cornerstone Ice Arena. Uh, and then the next time they met, uh, Notre Dame won three to two at Marathon Park in Wausau. So that's a pretty slim margin to be working with. Yeah, I don't. It's gonna be. It's. I mean, this is. I th- honestly think that all three games, and we've talked about the other two already. Tomorrow are gonna be coin flips. I mean, there's no. I, I in my mind, no clear cut winner. I think. Whoever gets the breaks, and I mean, that's a cliche, obviously, is going to win the game. You know, there's going to be certain things. Uh, Verona, I think, has a tendency to, to get a little excited at points in the game and maybe go into the box, and that costs them a little bit. They did not do that today. Uh, they, well, they didn't go to the box for it, but there was. They did have moments where, um, I'm not going to name one of their players, he thought he took a penalty. Uh, none of the officials on the ice thought he took a penalty. I didn't think he took one in the booth, but he spent a good 15 seconds just standing there with his arms up. Yeah. Like, what, what, what is this? Like, and then he moved to where he was supposed to be on the breakout. Arms still up. Where's the penalty? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, thankfully for him, he didn't open his mouth, or he'd have got two for unsportsmanlike, and he'd have yeah. given the other team, you know, the power play. But yeah, um, but I, I think they they know this now and. 
unless, but I, I think a part of the, the explanation for today was, and we talked about this earlier, uh, don't remember if it was on the air or not, if the game gets out of hand, it might happen. And the game really never did get out of hand today. It was pretty equal the whole way, so they it's like they got to be on their best behavior, and they did. And that, well, I think that's what MJ said you know, yesterday is if Verona starts getting frustrated, they will take penalties. And they did, that didn't really happen today. No, I mean, it, it was a good It was a good physical hockey game, but uh, neither team was taking cheap shots at the other one yeah. other than there was one interference penalty on Verona that gave them a beautiful two-on-one. Yeah. Um, but the two-on-one didn't count because the guy who cleared the lane <laughs> for the other player got called for interference. Yeah, uh, lead blocked beautifully on that. Play, but, yeah, but I mean um, that was nothing. That was that wasn't cheap. It was just or nothing. Yeah. No, it was there, just there was nothing cheap. So there was no reason to get frustrated. And that game no. was so tight. Neither team wanted to take a penalty. No. Um, and then you know they Verona took one in the in the overtime. Two in the overtime actually. And in both cases, neither player complained about it. They didn't, you know, get frustrated, start yelling at the ref in yeah. overtime. Yeah. They just skated to the it, bench. Yeah. It was, well, wasn't the first one? Wasn't it like a a, a turnover yeah. and the chip off Falls guy was going to be able to walk in on the yes. goalie? So that I mean, the the guy, the Verona defenseman who turned the puck over, just kind of like grabbed him and yes. said, "I know that's a penalty, but I have to do it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, they, and penalties happen in hockey games. They yes. just move fast. Sometimes a guy gets by you, and your arm goes out, and you bring him down. I mean, it happens. It's not cheap. So yeah, I mean, they were no. They both teams played really well in that way. Um, I'm looking at the two Verona Notre Dame games. Uh, both of them were 36 to 32 in shots, four shot advantage both times uh, for Notre Dame. So that's really even uh, a shot totals, but. Uh, there was there was the one period in each game where Notre Dame kind of took it to them, um, but Verona, you know, hang on and won the first one, and uh, Notre Dame came back and won the second. You know, we mentioned yesterday that I think Springs has a higher ceiling than Pines, but Pines has a higher floor. Uh, watching them both today, I think Notre Dame has a higher ceiling and a higher floor than Verona, but it obviously hasn't mattered the two times they've played two really close, really tight games. And I think because they're both at a level where Notre Dame being maybe slightly more talented isn't that big a deal because there's only so much ice you can cover. Um, and Verona's defensemen, they move backwards very fast. Uh, like you said, Chippewa Falls was not going to dump and chase. They were trying to take the, bring the puck in. And I think um, the two Isaacs, uh, Fernet and Lindstrom, were used to getting around defensemen and then making a pass out front because they tried several times where they tried to get, they got around that defenseman in the corner and then they made that pass out front. But, like, Verona was giving them nothing. Um, and I think that that was a play that they, they normally have at least some success with. So I think that worked. I think Verona's defense is going to be what, what keeps them tight with, uh, with Notre Dame. And then, obviously, they got Rufa knocked on forward who can score, not at will, but plenty. No, but they, they have, you know, more, more than just him. I mean, Hasig has been a big scorer for them, too. Um, I, I don't know the exact breakdown of all their, their top players because I don't know Verona that well, but uh, five and uh, nine, they're pretty good forwards. Uh, Jurens is a good defenseman, and Caden Grant has played uh, a hell of a year. I've seen him play, I think, 
two or three times, and he's always looked pretty well, uh, stalwart. Five is Rufinock. Yes, so. yes, yes. And nine is Walker A6, yeah. so yeah. yeah. They're both excellent, and they're both... Yeah. And, uh, Rufinock's a senior, Hasek is a junior. Yep, and I mean, I think there's depth, good depth on both teams uh, at the forward line. Um, you know, you're talking probably five or six or seven kids that can score when they need to. Uh, versus having a team that just the, the the first line scores and that's it. Well, with, these with, guys have a good spread scoring throughout. Well, what's interesting about their scoring punch, their top five scorers on the season all have more assists than they do goals, uh, is which is not something you see every day. No, not, top no. five scorers, uh, Rufinock, uh, 48 points, 20 goals, 28 assists. Hasek, 37 points, 14 goals, 23 assists. Uh, Leo Renlund, 35 points, 10 goals, 25 assists. Um, Conrad uh, Moline, 32 points, 13 goals, 19 assists. Nathan Jurens, 31 points, 13 goals, 18 assists. Their top five scorers all have more assists than they do goals. So they uh, spread it around. They, they spread it around. They're happy to dish the puck, mm-hmm. and that tells you that they've probably got a lot of two assist goals. They're and they're very fast. Notre Dame is very fast. I mean, there's not a lot to choose from in this game. It's well, let like me ask you this: pretty even. Which of the two games today was more physical? Does one of these teams have an edge over the other one if they come out banging? Uh, I think... I think the second game was more physical. That's what I thought. I think but not for, like significantly so, but a little no, bit, yeah. I think Verona <laughs> has the edge if the if it's good banging, if you know what I mean. If, oh, I know if they're, if they're not getting <laughs> crazy frustrated, then it's going to turn bad. But if they're just like, you know, during the course of the game... Finishing their checks. Yes, that kind of yes. Thing. Then I think... Verona has a slight edge there, but if you know they Notre Dame will make you pay if uh, you're out there trying to bang and you're you're missing the checks or you're doing something silly. Uh, Notre Dame, I think, is is well. That can't happen if you try to be you know extra physical with the other team because you think that'll give you an edge. If you make a misread on the check, all of a sudden you're out of position and the guy is behind you. Well, it would happen in one of the games today where I, I pointed out to you there was a, a not a scrum, but a you know a scramble in front of the net and one of the players like skated right over the puck to hit somebody. Mm-hmm. It's in like the, the, the rebound came to him, but he was so focused. He, he, he already decided he was going to hit this guy that he just skated right over the puck. Which yeah, that, was in the, that was in the Notre Dame Academy game. It was in the USM zone. And a Notre Dame Academy player, like, the puck was, like, yeah, right in front of him, right in front of the net. And he decided not to hit the puck, but to hit a player. Um, so that, would, that, that, that kind of thing, probably not going to help. Uh, if you're talking about trying to be physical, yeah, uh, you have to remember where the puck is. Yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, I think Verona normally will play a little bit more of a physical game, but Notre Dame is not afraid to. Uh, what I saw in the sectional final against Beaver Dam, uh, Notre Dame two to nothing win. Beaver Dam came out early in the game and just hammered on Notre Dame. And I think to a point that frustrated them 
until they figured out that let's just play this to our advantage, forget about what they're doing, and try to score some goals. And uh, I think Notre Dame is very capable of doing that, so it's possible you might see something like that happen in tomorrow's game. What the heck just happened? I'm just, you know, while we're recording, following along on our uh, Twitter feed, you know, I follow along, and um, a woman named Ann Fixmer Prokop, who lives in Wausau, you know, retweeted the congratulations for Bridger Fixmer on being a nominee for our award. Are Adam Prokop and Bridger Fixmer, like, related? Hmm. That's weird. We'll have to check that out. We're going to have to check our, that out. Are our, our Tyler Hunt and Gunnar Schiffman <laughs> brothers? We don't know. Are they the same person? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that. did Tyler Hunt graduate and change his name to Gunnar Schiffman yeah, and start Gunner, over as a freshman? Gunnar's got a hell of a beard for an 18 year old. So, who you got? We did this the other games. Who you got? Burglar? What do you think? I think that I think that Verona is going to come out to try to play a physical game and get Notre Dame off of their game. Uh, whether it works or not is is uh, debatable, but um, I'll go with Verona. I mean, I saw it happen against Beaver Dam. Um, I think it threw Notre Dame off for probably a period and a half, and then they kind of decided that. They just needed to play their game and forget about the physicality of it. Uh, could very well happen tomorrow. I mean, literally, this is a coin flip. They got both have uh, scoring punch at forward. They both have talented defensemen. They both have great goalies. Uh, they both have coaches who know what to do and how to get there and how to win the big game. I mean, I don't know. I. I yeah, can I defer just for a minute? Let me think. We'll, about we'll let this. you flip a coin if that's. And I might have in, to. In, in all the years we've been doing this, and I've seen Notre Dame at the state tournament many times. Uh, one thing I've noticed from them is that they never show any panic, even when they fall behind, and when they fall behind, they never show a sense of urgency. Um, and today that worked out for them. The, they fell behind USM, but they just kept playing the way they were going to play yeah, anyway. Yeah, and yeah. eventually, because they were the more talented team, they ended up coming out on top. Yeah. A few years ago, when uh, basically they got sucker punched by Middleton, they didn't do that. I mean, this was a whole different group of kids, but yeah. the same coaching staff and style. They kept playing their game, yeah. and they kept not scoring. And you know, as time wore on, they never showed a sense of urgency. So for Verona, the key is going to be to get out early, mm-hmm. and like USM did, and get a couple of goals because you know that if you if you can shut down Notre Dame doing what they normally do, mm-hmm. they never seem to. At least in my experience watching, they don't seem to adapt to what's being done to them. They just they just kind of keep doing their thing, and they because they have overwhelming talent most of the time it works. So if you can if you can shut them down in their their base formation and get a lead, you can hang on to it because they don't show that sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think they're the more talented team. I think you know the record speaks for itself, but that one blemish just happens to be the team they're still facing. Um, so, bottom line. Yeah. Bottom line. I am going to go. 
with Notre Dame for no other reason than they're further north. <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time, but my picks yesterday were uh, Pines and Fox Cities, which are also the two further north teams uh, in, the, in those two championship games. So. Yeah. And how did you do on those? They, they, they haven't been played yet. They haven't yet. been played yet. They oh, played tomorrow. Okay, I gotcha. I, yeah, I was thinking semifinals. No, I okay. We didn't, we didn't do picks for the semifinals. Yeah. All right. So we'll come back to me. Uh, these are two equally balanced teams, I think. Uh, they're pretty equal in everything that they do. Um, but I think I'm going to give the slight edge and the nod to Verona. Simply because if you compare what happened in today's game against University School to tomorrow's game versus Verona, and I like Patrick Kelly for USM. I think he did a great job. He just got kind of overwhelmed at the end of the game. But the same thing happened to Grant today, and uh, whether it was help from his defense or forwards on the back check, um, I... I I think they they are just a little bit better, so I'm going to give the nod to Verona tomorrow. And, you know, we've talked about how Notre Dame had the toughest schedule in the state this year. Um, that was for the regular season. Their playoff schedule was pretty light, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Verona had to go through Edgewood, and then they played, you know, this game with Chippewa Falls that was you know, the best hockey game several of us have seen in years. Uh, whereas after that first period, Notre Dame really took it to university school. So um, Verona might be a little more keyed up for that that top-level game than, than Notre Dame Academy is right now. With a, a caveat going to that uh, prediction that Verona's got to stay out of the box. I mean, if they keep their penalties to a minimum and don't hurt themselves... I think the odds of them winning are a lot better. I'm still picking Verona, and it's going to be a one-goal game. It's you know, or maybe two-goal with an empty netter or something. But um, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be an exciting game. We're not going to have any stupid six-to-nothing shutouts in the the state final game. Um, so I mean, we had a seven-to-one state final two years ago in a seeded tournament. We don't like that. No, we, we don't. don't. Um, we want a close game, but we don't want overtime. And, you know, you mentioned penalties. Uh, Notre Dame Academy had 132 penalty minutes in their regular season schedule. Verona had 323. Uh, they had 190 more penalty minutes than, than yeah. Notre Dame Academy did. Yeah, and that's, they're excitable boys at that's, times. That's not, that's not going to help them. No. they, they got to stay out no. of the box. Well, if you're talking regular season, you're talking the regular season where Notre Dame converted 50% of their power play opportunities? Yeah, that's a 50. double killer, right? Half. That's that's 50%. a lot. That is nuts. That's got to be by far the best in the state. Yeah, I mean, I thought Pines was good. They were thirty-seven yeah. percent in the regular yeah. season, if, forty-two in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, generally speaking, anything over twenty-five percent is, is outstanding. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, Verona was at thirty percent on the power play, ninety percent on the penalty kill because three hundred twenty-three penalty minutes. They had plenty of practice. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It should be a good good uh, championship Saturday. I mean, we're going to see three good games. We've talked about the D2, we've talked about the girls, and now we've talked about the D1. So uh, definitely going to be a good, a good day for Wisconsin high school hockey. 
All right. Uh, I think that does it for tonight. You'll hear from us next Monday after all the championship games have played. So for uh, Burglar and Trasher, I'm Bill Jr. signing off on This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.